Uh, let's pray. God, I pray that you would come and speak to us, remind us that we're never alone, and remind us today, Lord, of your extreme generosity to us and in your love, in your grace, and in your truth this morning. So let us experience all of that. In the name of Jesus, O oh Lord, we ask it. Amen. Well, over the last several months, I sort of tuned out on Facebook and social media for a while, just like the noise just gets, you know, to my soul after a while and sort of tuned that out. And certainly in the last couple weeks of just the noise on the TV and through the news, it's like, man, it's just good for my soul to just like not ignore everything that's going on, but at least not to let it consume my heart and mind. And I found myself at some point through the last several weeks with all the election hype and hysteria and worry and anxiety that's been going on around our country, I, I found myself just craving to go to a place where everybody knows my name <laughs> and that they're always glad that I came. <laughs> And I tell you, you know, some of you who are laughing, you're like, oh, I know what you're talking about. I know that place, and I remember that place. It shows my age a little bit, but it just, it was great to just be able to go back and, and flip through the channels a little bit, and I came across an old episode of Cheers, and Norm always had those great little one-liners that he communicated to people, and, and I found one that I thought, man, this was spoken, you know, through 30, 35 years ago, but it's still so aptly true. This could so be true for 2020 today, and so here's Norm Peterson's line, he says this, it's a dog-eat-dog -dog world out there, and I'm wearing milk bone underwear. <laughs> man, I thought, man, there is nothing greater truth, I think, today than we could like, remember and think about today, is that is the world that we live in, isn't it? That it's all about what I can get, and everybody's out for themselves, and nobody really cares about anybody else, and so I'll just step on whoever I need to step on in order to get ahead. If it means me getting ahead, it doesn't really matter what's going on with you. Which is maybe why generosity really sticks out for so many people. But in a dog-eat-dog -dog world, generosity really doesn't make any sense. Man, if you live in that kind of world where it is a dog-eat-dog -dog world, generosity doesn't make any sense. Which is why I think it sticks out so much for people. Now, now we're pretty good when disasters strike. We're pretty good at, at jumping in and helping and serving. And I was listening to an interview uh, with Jimmy Carter the other day, and, and he was talking about some of the work that they've done. And he said, it's amazing how people respond when there's a hurricane or disaster or a crisis. But then he said this, and it so challenged my heart, and I just can't get it out of my mind. He says, why don't we do this all of the time? And that is a really good question. <laughs> but why would anybody be generous in a dog-eat-dog -dog world? Why would anyone choose to be generous? And I can give you a word that I think helps describe that, and the word simply is grace. Man, when you come in contact with the unfathomable, unconditional love, mercy, and grace of God, and you realize that everything that God gives me, I don't deserve any of it. God just lavishes it out on me. In fact, I don't even get what I do deserve. This is the grace of God that he pours out lavishly on us. And when you come in contact with that grace, it transforms the way you live. In fact, grace plus anything equals generosity. When you grab a hold of grace, it doesn't matter what you add to that. 
What comes out of that is generosity. And so grace plus COVID can equal generosity. And this is where I just really need to brag on our youth ministry and Corey, um, who leads our ministry as our family life minister. I was so impressed um, as the summer, last summer, rolled around and they realized they were going to be closing Camp Eagle, that they weren't going to allow any kids to come to camp. And our pumpkin patch, which I dearly miss, it's really depressing to walk on the campus now. It's like, oh, the pumpkins, it was so festive and everything looking, and now everything's gone. But what you may not know is that pumpkin patch is really a big fundraiser that enables a lot of our kids that would never be able to afford to go to camp to be able to go to camp. And so last summer when they canceled camp, um, the question, okay, well, what do we do now with all this money we raised for camp when we're not going to do camp? And so Corey came to me and he said, hey, we're considering um, just donating all that money we raised to Camp Eagle because they still have expenses and they're not going to have any camp. And, and what do you think about that? I said, man, I love that idea. I, I love that story. Because the story could be that, hey, we made a bunch of money last year, and we're going to make a bunch of money this year, and boy, you combine all that together, nobody's going to have to pay for camp. We might even be able to go for free for two years, and what a great thing. But the story, rather, that they chose to tell was we chose to be generous in that moment and give away all the money that we worked so hard for to help out a ministry that has meant so much to us over the years. And so Corey said, we're going to take the money that we made from the pumpkin patch, and then we'll invite parents, because the kids who work, depending on how many hours, they get some money, and, and we'll invite those parents that want to, to donate the money also to Camp Eagle. And so at the end of the day, over 30 families said, we will give money, uh, our money to Camp Eagle. You can just take all of it and give it to Camp Eagle. And so we had written them a check for over $8,000 um, to support their ministry. And I love that. Now, some of our kids did get a chance to go to Camp Eagle over a, a sort of a long weekend uh, experience for the summer, and because they were so moved by the generosity, they said, hey, and we know you gave us a donation. Why don't you use some of that to send your kids to camp this summer for the weekend? And so they did, but it's still over $4,300 was donated to them. And I love that that is the story that we get to tell. I love that story of generosity. And so what we want to do today is take a look at a story from Scripture that Kirby read for us just a moment ago. It comes from Paul's letter to a church in Corinth. And in chapter 8 and 9, if you are Bible-loving people and you love to read your Bible, I want to invite you over the next several weeks, we're going to be diving into chapter 8 and chapter 9. I would just encourage you to read it over and over and over again. I continue to be moved by the extreme generosity that we find here. So take a look at verse 1. It says this, Now, brothers and sisters, we want you to know about the grace, and there's our word, the grace that God has given the Macedonian churches. And you're like, well, why would I care about the Macedonian churches? I don't know anything about the Macedonian churches. Well, that's good because you're going to learn a little bit about the Macedonian churches. If you back up one chapter and you go back to chapter 7 and in verse 5, you're going to find this. For when we came into Macedonia, this is Paul talking about his journey, and they went into Macedonia, we had no rest, but we were harassed at every turn, conflicts on the outside and fears within. This was not an easy place to bring the name of Jesus. I mean, every turn they had, they were harassed and persecuted, and they found trouble at every occasion they have. This is what was going on in Macedonia, in the Macedonian churches, and he wants to describe the grace of what God is doing. So take, 
Sorry, Siri. Be quiet. <laughs> Gonna loosen it up on my wrist, evidently. Look at, at verse two. So what, what has this grace been doing? In the midst of a very severe trial, their overflowing joy and their extreme poverty welled up in rich generosity. Now, it'd be really easy to just gloss over those words really quickly, but I want to do, I want to unpack that just a little bit for you and sort of take a look again at what he says. Because what came out of their severe trial? Well, out of their severe trial came overflowing joy. Now, you wouldn't think those two things go together. When you're going through a severe trial, you don't think what's coming out of that is extreme joy, but this is what's going on in the Macedonian churches. And not only that, but their extreme poverty. So not just poverty, like we don't have anything, we don't have any money. Um, This is extreme poverty, poorest of the poor. And what came out of their poverty was simply this, rich generosity. And those things don't belong together. How is it that a severe trial can lead to overflowing joy and extreme poverty can lead to rich generosity? Well, he goes on to describe about what's going on in Macedonia, and he says, man, they gave on their own. And I love this, because they gave on their own and beyond their own ability. Now, what was going on is, is Paul, who had established all of these churches around, he decided he wanted to take a collection for the Christians who were living in Jerusalem, who were themselves going through a very severe trial and being persecuted for following Jesus. And so he went around to all his churches and said, we want to gather some money to support those Christians who live in Jerusalem. And we get the impression that he sort of left off the Macedonian churches because he looked at them and, like, they don't have anything to give. <laughs> like, I'll just leave them off the giving invite list to, to leave them alone. And it says that they begged for the opportunity. They did it completely on their own. They weren't asked to give. They did it on their own. And they gave beyond their ability. What a beautiful story. So here's what they want to do. They want to help people that they're never going to meet and they don't know. And they want to help them out of their severe trial and extreme poverty. And I want to be more like that. I want to have that kind of generosity that stirs in my spirit that regardless of what's going on, grace plus anything equals generosity. I want that to be more and more true in my life. Just this week, I got a couple of letters from people. Um, I didn't ask them if I could share their names, so I'm not going to share their names, and I'm going to keep out some details that would uh, help you to know who they were. Um, One came from somebody who watches uh, us online, doesn't even live in the state of Texas. It says, Dear Friends of St. John, I continue to attend your Sunday service on Monday morning via the internet. <laughs> and I, I love that, that. Man, just God's word is alive every day of the week. And I'm so thankful for all of our tech team that makes this happen every single week that people can watch. I'm so thankful for you who are watching online. Um, I attend Monday morning services or Sunday services on Monday morning via the internet. Keep up the good work. I would like to contribute to your mortgage reduction with the enclosed check. He had heard about that we had burned a mortgage a year ago, and then uh, we burned our second mortgage several weeks ago, and that part of our heart for his house capital campaign, uh, the third part of that was paying down our third mortgage so we can burn that one off. And I thought, how incredibly generous for somebody who doesn't even live in our state that's not a member of our church, but worships with us online, and says, I want to be a part of that. I love that kind of generosity. I got this letter. encloses our last payment toward our 2017 pledge. 
In 2020, as many families have gone through difficult times, we ourselves have been through many personal struggles and challenges. God has remained faithful to us and provided us with the means to complete our pledge. We still have a long road ahead of us, uh, but we will strive to continue and support St. John with our regular tithe, knowing that God will provide for our needs as he has in the past. I want to become more like that. That idea, regardless of what's going on in your life, that it just wells up with extreme generosity. And, and maybe you're finding yourself today, and, and I, I would like to be more like that. I would like to be more generous. I want that to be my story that is told, that I'm not thinking about living for myself and just taking care of myself. I'm thinking about how can I live a more generous life because this is what God wants to do. And if you want to do that today, let me just give you a few little directional things I think will help you on that journey. And the first one is simply this. Do the things that the person you want to be close to does. You want to be close to somebody, do the things that the person you want to be close to does. And this is not just great following Jesus advice. This is also great dating advice, by the way. <laughs> Some of you have done this before, and I won't ask you to raise your hand, but how many of you pretended to like sports? <laughs> how many of you pretended to like hunting? How many of you pretended, I really enjoy cooking? I love hiking. And you just pretended the whole, now why did you pretend? Well, I pretended because the person I wanted to be with enjoys that. So I was going to pretend to enjoy that just so I could be close to them. And why did you do it? Because it worked. <laughs> All right? I mean, that's why anybody does anything, because it works. And I said, I'm so mindful of this. One of my, there's these precious moments in, in my life. It was about three falls ago. Went up to Michigan where my family lives and where I was born and raised up there. And, and um, when I'm up there in the fall, I usually like to go and, and see Michigan play football up there. And my wife is not a huge football fan at all. And, and she said, as we're going up there, she goes, why don't, why don't we all go to a football game together? I'm like, well, yeah, I know you don't like. She goes, no, I think that would be fun. Why don't we take your mom, too? We'll take, you know, our daughter and take your mom and, like, three generations. It'd be sort of fun, won't it? I'm like, great. I'll buy tickets. We did the tailgate thing. and was having such a, a great time. And, and my wife, you know, we're then, you know, hey, the tailgating thing's fun. And, oh, this is neat. You see all the people there and, in a large stadium. And, and then we're in the game. She's like, really? You sit here for a couple hours watching this? Like, I'm not. And, and she got up and she was walking around. And she began to talk to different people. And she told some people, well, this is my first time here. It's my daughter's first time here. And, and my mom who has Alzheimer's, she didn't know if she'd ever been there before, so we just assumed that was maybe her first time, and like, oh, you got to meet so-and-so, and you got to meet so-and-so, and they got over to a customer service agent, he said, well, hold on, we've got certificates that we can print for you for your first time at the big house, and so there's a picture of my daughter um, for the first time at the big house with the first game certificate um, that she's carrying there, which I absolutely love, and it's one of those precious moments to me, because I know my wife doesn't love football, but she did that because I love football. And she wanted to do something to be close with me. And that is precious to me. And I have a feeling God feels the same way about us when we do things that maybe make us a little bit uncomfortable. It's like, I, I'm not really wanting to do this, but I'm going to do it because this is who you are, God. And I want to do what you're doing so I can be close to you. Now, I, I try to reciprocate this. I, I'm not nearly as good at it as my wife is, but one of the things I've really grown to appreciate is, is her love uh, of astronomy. And as a little girl, she used to lay out in her backyard and look up at the dark sky and all the stars, and she'd do all the galaxies and remember all these things. And so uh, a little while ago, we had bought um, this, this telescope, and we had gone out to Redeemer in Cisco when I was preaching out there and went out the Saturday night before and took the telescope um, with us that we have so we could set it up and look at the huge um, West Texas dark 
dark sky and look at all of the galaxies out there. And just amazing to see that. And I tell you, you know, at first it was like, okay, and she'd go on and she could describe all these things. I'm like, oh yeah, that's sort of interesting. And the more I hung around her, I'm like, this is really fascinating. And so on my news feed, I'll read articles of NASA and different things that are coming up. And I'm just fascinated by the way God has created and orchestrated the universe and how vast it is and how orderly everything is in the cosmos and the way he put all of that together. And so you do things to be close to the one who you want to be close to and do what they like to do. With that, I think we also need to remember that we need to be challenged. And, and this is where I'm, I'm thankful for some really good friends in my life. Uh, my friend Paul, who um, preached at my installation here about five years ago, and met him in seminary and been good friends ever since. And I so appreciate it. We think so differently. And we just have different habits and, and different gifts. And, and I love being around because he challenges my thinking. And I, I need to be challenged at times. I love his insight and he, he challenges me in all kinds of ways. And we, we need to be, if we want to follow Jesus, we need to be willing to be challenged. I, I love the story of Charles Spurgeon, who was an old pastor, famous in his day and even famous today to some extent. And there's the story of this uh, rich man who lived in a rural area, and he invited um, Charles Spurgeon to come and preach at his little rural church so they could pay off some of their debt. And to sort of sweeten the pot a little bit to encourage him to come to his little rural church where they just had a few people, um, he said, I tell you what, you can stay at any one of my houses. You can stay in my little cottage uh, in the woods if you'd like to. You can stay down by the lake. I got a lake cottage over there. If you want to stay in town, I've got an in-town home. Any one of those three, man, is, is yours, and you can stay wherever you want. Charles Spurgeon wrote back to him. He said, why don't you sell one of your three houses and pay off the debt yourself? <laughs> wow. I'm like, that's not a very friendly letter, but man, that's a challenging word, isn't it? <laughs> like, you've got the means to do this. We all need to be challenged if we're going to follow Jesus, and especially if we want to become more generous. We need to be open to be challenged. Now, I find it very interesting, and just to go on a little bit of a tangent toward why um, Paul used the Macedonian church to really encourage the Corinthian church. You need to know a little bit about geography and a little bit about history. And so, like, on a map, you're like, I don't even know where Macedonia would be. Well, just north of where Greece is. So Athens and Corinth are down there, and then up above is Macedonia. And back in the day, um, Greeks looked at Macedonia. Uh, they were the barbaric north. <laughs> like, these people are barely human. And so they didn't get along. And even when Greece came in and Philip, you know, conquered the whole entire area and made it one nation, there was really not one unity in that nation at all. They were still looked at the barbaric north. And so I love what Paul does here, knowing his own history. I want to tell you about the Macedonian churches. With their extreme poverty and severe trials, it welled up in extreme joy and incredible generosity. And we all need to be challenged with that. The church in Corinth need to be challenged. We need to be challenged with that. And finally, the last one is being comfortable with being uncomfortable. Because there are times when we're challenged, and the easy thing to do is just ignore that. Or, or to justify it, that, oh, I'm, I'm, I'm better than most people. I'm more generous than most. Most people say I'm, more, I'm a pretty generous person. Well, the problem with that is we're not done. I'm not done becoming more generous. 
I'm not done in following Jesus. God is still working on my heart, and he will until I take my last breath. And so we have to be comfortable with being uncomfortable because there's sometimes that God is going to lean on us a little bit. And he's going to reveal some things to us that are going to make us uncomfortable. And he makes us uncomfortable not because he wants to see us miserable, because he wants to set us free. He said, there's a better way to go through life. And so one of the the crazy things uh, years ago that I had this little dream and a goal of life and just being inspired by some generous people around me. And I I said, you know what? I'd love to get to a point in my life where I could just live off of 10%, sort of reverse tithe live off 10 and give away 90%. I said, that would be fun to get to in life. And I had some people around me like, oh, that's crazy. You'll never be able to do that, and that's stupid. Why would you ever want to be that way? I'm like, I I don't know. I would love to give everything away. That would be wonderful. Um, But I know at some point you have to have something to live on. I just thought that would be sort of a neat goal to shoot for, just becoming more generous where you could step into needs and be able to help people and, and become more generous that way. And so that makes me uncomfortable because that's still a dream in my mind. We're not even close to being there yet. But I'm like pressing for that day where I can just be more and more generous with all the resources that God gives to us. And any time where I feel just a little bit uncomfortable and I'm starting to live in that uncomfortableness for a little bit, I think about Jesus. Then I want to share with you just a few verses from Philippians um, chapter 2. In verse 5, he says this, In your relationships with one another... Have the same mindset of Christ Jesus. Because if you want to be like Jesus, do the things that Jesus does. Have the same mind. Think like Jesus does. And here's how Jesus thought. Paul writes these beautiful words. Who being in the very nature God. And this amazes me. Going into a Christmas season, I never fail to just be marvel at this fact that God didn't send an angel or a messenger or a human in our midst. God came himself. Jesus, being very nature God, did not consider equality with God something to be used for his own advantage. In other words, I'm not living in a, I'm living in a doggy dog world, but I'm not going to live like everybody else lives. And Jesus, I'm not going to use my godness as something to hold for myself and use for myself. I tell you, this is one of those many reasons why I could never be God, because I can't imagine in moments where you just wouldn't be tempted if you had the power of God at your disposal to just hit a little smite button when somebody crosses you and just watch them just disintegrate it before your eyes and, and just be able to pull off anything you want to pull off because you have the power and authority to do it. But Jesus never did that. Rather, he made himself nothing by taking the very nature of a servant being made in human life. I tell you, every Christmas, we tell that story again, how but God became flesh, Emmanuel, and dwelt among us. I'm amazed that God chose to come down, not as a full-grown man who can take care of himself, but as a little baby, completely dependent on the creation in which he created. My God, I don't think that's a really good idea. Have you seen those people and what they do? I'm going to go. And being found in appearance as a man, he humbled himself and became obedient to death, even death on a cross. And I think about the incredible graciousness of our God. 
How generous is this, that God doesn't demand that we repay him for every mistake and careless word we've spoken, for every sinfulness and broken promise that we've made, for every person that we've hurt. God doesn't demand retribution. God says, no, I paid for that already. Here it is. It's a free gift. It's grace, which is why grace plus anything equals generosity. So if you want to become more generous, I want to give you just a few little homework questions to think about and dwell uh, upon. And they're simply this. Number one, do people consider me generous? Why or why not? I think we all have to start there at some point to wrestle with that question. Do people consider me to be a generous person? Why or why not? Number two, how does Jesus, particularly take Philippians 2 again, how does Jesus inform my generosity? with all that he's done for me, and that I'm not giving out of guilt or obligation. I'm giving because of what Christ has done for me. How does Jesus inform my generosity? And third, what is one step I can make today to become more generous? I encourage you to wrestle with those questions. And and we want to lead with generosity. At the end of the service today, I'm going to let you know how you can be generous toward our veterans in honor of Veterans Day. Uh, We want to honor them today, and you'll get an opportunity to do that today. But we also want to be generous as a church toward you. And Friday, if you get the emails that we mail out every single Friday, don't miss this Friday's. And you're like, I don't ever get an email on Friday. I don't have any idea what you're talking about. It's probably because we don't have your email address or you're not reading them and you're just deleting them. So don't do that this week. But if you'd like to get it and you don't get our email, simply connect with us. Connect at 833-440-0137. And you can connect with us and we'll send you that email address or we'll send you the newsletter on Friday. And so that little email that goes out that describes some things that are going on um, here and a few little stories about how God is transforming lives, um, this Friday you're going to get an email and it'll have a link on there. And that link will give you free access to all of Dave Ramsey's Financial Peace um, University material. So Financial Peace University, that'll be free for every single um, member and friend of St. John. Um, You'll also get Legacy Journey. You'll get the Financial Peace Junior Kit and a whole bunch of resources that are there. All of that is free because we had a few people step up and sponsor that so we could give it free to every single one of our people. Normally, you go through Financial Peace University. That's $129 just for that Financial Peace University to have access to every single thing he has. And you're like, well, why would you do that? We want to be generous. And I found no better ministry than what Dave Ramsey does to help people get control of their finances and live an incredibly generous life. So we're going to announce that again next Sunday. We'll give you that detail of where to go next Sunday, but you can get it Friday in your email and get started uh, already in advance. 